Welcome to Coaching Kidlet, a podcast about writing and publishing good kidlet. We dig into various aspects of writing craft through a kidlet lens and provide inspiration and clear, actionable items to help writers like you move forward on their kidlet writing journeys. I'm Sharon Skinner, author accelerator, certified book coach, and author of speculative fiction and kidlet, including picture books, middle grade, and young adult. And I'm Christy Arros, author accelerator, certified book coach, and story editor, focusing on kidlet, including middle grade and young adult. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Christy. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Things are rolling along. I'm doing really well. It's 2023. Crazy. Over a year. I know. So I thought that maybe this episode, we could talk about the perils and pitfalls of critique groups and also the good things. So we maybe the positives, perils and pitfalls of critique groups. What do you think? <laughs> that sounds great. I love the alliteration. Thank you. I do have a poetry background, so I like to go there. Oh, so is this going to be a rhyming podcast? Oh, I hope not, because that would be <laughs> far too challenging for me at this point in time <laughs> to make a rhyme, but maybe there'll be more alliteration. Let's find out. So I think that the reason this came to mind is because we're early in a new year and people have set some goals. A lot of people have set some new writing goals for the year. They're planning out how they want to approach those goals and how they want to achieve them. And it often comes up that because writing is such a solo venture, it also comes up a lot about, should I get a critique group? How do I get a critique group? Where do I get critique partners? What do I do to get some feedback on my writing? And critique groups can offer a lot of value, but they can also be places where there are challenges and you want to be careful about how you choose them and the way that you take in the information. Yeah. There's so many ways that you can do things. So which we talk about getting a critique group is I think everybody should have at least a critique partner. I mean, you need at least one person who you can share your writing with. And that's hard for a lot of us because our families <laughs> or our close friends who are not writers aren't always the best choices for reading. SCBWI is great for that. You go to a conference or you attend something and you find somebody that you connect with and then you just kind of latch on to them for dear life until they become your critique partner. You're laughing. Is that not no, the way that a, you do that's it? A great, that's a great approach because it's such an intimate partnership in so many ways that you really need somebody who you get to know and get to trust and can build on that, Right sending it out into the world and picking somebody out of the blue can be a real trap because you don't know that person. You don't know their level of skill. You don't know what their agenda is. You don't know what their purpose is in being part of a critique group or a critique partnership. There are a lot of unknowns when you get into it. And the other thing is that you can have buyer's remorse very quickly if you get into a situation with the wrong critique partner. Critiquing is a very special skill and you want someone who is going to give you information that is valuable and helpful and not just, I like this or, Hey, I don't like this because that doesn't help a writer at all. No. And that tends to be maybe the kind of feedback you get from family and close friends because they're not 
if they're not writers themselves, if they're not critiquers, then they can't really give you story level advice that's going to help you, you know, or actionable advice. But that's why I think since SCBWI's conferences the last couple of years have been online, the national conferences have offered an evening where people can join a YA call, a middle grade call, or a picture book call, and they would randomly split people into groups and they would critique each other's work. And I ran the YA one a bunch of times and I would say to them before I sent them in, like, if somebody in that room with you, if the way that they give feedback to other people or the way they give feedback to you or it resonates with you, if you're like, huh, like I like the way that this person thinks, I'm like exchange information and, and hang on because that's a good way seeing them in action to say, I like the way that that person thinks or, you know, they seem similar to me. In, or, in yeah, they way. know what they're talking about when they, they know, get right. feedback. It's solid feedback. It, it's meaningful. And, and really that's it. You need somebody who's going to give you meaningful feedback. And it's like with book coaching, the way that we operate, that that not only needs to be meaningful, but it needs to be very honest, but given in a way that is kind, or at least in a way that is accessible and helpful, not just, oh, you did this wrong, you know, or I hate your character or those kinds of things. I don't understand why your character is acting this way is a great way to open conversation about the kind of character that you're seeing on the page or experiencing as a reader. You also want people who read and know craft to some extent. I've been in situations with people in critique groups who are so new, they have no idea how to even give the feedback, but it's because they don't even know how to read for the components that need to be there. They're not seeing what's on the page and what isn't on the page because they don't have that kind of training. They just are reading and it's a story and they're telling you either I like it or I don't like it, or they'll tell you that it's confusing. Now that can be helpful. Just knowing that they don't understand something can be helpful because maybe you didn't get it on the page. But if you have five people in a group and one tells you that they are confused, it's something to think about. But if everybody else seems to be getting it, maybe that person just doesn't have the experience behind them to understand what you were trying to do. Yeah, And I think especially with Kidlet, it's important to, to form a critique group of people who write maybe even in the same age category that, that you write in. Because I've seen people who have been in critique groups you know, maybe you join it from through the library or through something in your town and you've got writers writing all sorts of different things. Now, if I am not a mystery reader, I'm not going to be able to tell you things that are supposed to be in a mystery book or not. And I find that kidlit writers who are in critique groups with adult writers get feedback or criticism that is almost invalid because the person doesn't have a basic understanding of what is expected out of a kid's book. And so they'll say things like, these stakes aren't high enough. Well, to a 10-year-old, <laughs> those stakes <laughs> yeah. are high enough, right? right? Like for you as an adult writer with a fully formed grown-up protagonist, maybe not having someone to sit next to at lunch is not a high enough stake for you. But for a 10-year-old, like that's pretty big. So I think it helps if you can find people who are writing the same kind of thing. And even Mixing picture book people and middle grade novel people, it's not almost the same either because picture books are so much 
smaller and self-contained and you can read a whole picture book in a critique session and get the whole story and know exactly what that person is trying to do. Whereas if I'm a novel writer and I bring five pages, 10 pages, even 20 pages, you're not seeing the whole picture. And so you can't really give global feedback. I think that's another thing too, is the level of feedback that you get in a critique group, I think tends to sometimes fall to the line level. Yes. People will get into the weeds and start telling you where to put commas because they don't know how to give you feedback on the content, the actual components of the story. So they'll fall into that. Oh, I'm going to fix your grammar. And as a trained professional proofreader, copy editor who has done this for 20 years, I am absolutely that person who in the beginning (laughs) was commenting on people's grammar and commas, not because I couldn't do the more high level feedback, but it felt comfortable to know that a comma was missing here rather than saying, I'm not sure I understand your character's motivation here. Obviously now I have had to forcibly train myself in the opposite direction to ignore the line level things and focus on the story level things, but that's, it's hard. It, it, it is hard. And some of the dangers of critiques are when you get somebody in there who wants to tell you how they would have written it, Mm. you know, rather than them trying to understand your intent, because intent is so critical, what point you're trying to make, what's your intention for this scene, what are you trying to accomplish? If you get someone who doesn't really understand your intent and Therefore, to them, it's not the story that they would have told. There are people who will try and tell you how to have written it, but they'll tell you from their perspective how they would have written it rather than asking you questions to help you pull together and suss out and get your intent on the page. Because if your intent isn't clearly on the page, that's one of those areas that you're looking for from somebody in a critique group or from a book coach. If you're working with a book coach or a beta reader, if you have a beta reader, you're wanting them to help you to make sure that the intent is coming across to the reader. And there are people who will try and just tell you how they would have written it. I don't think it's intentional. We're going to go back to intent and intentional. I don't think it's intentional that they do that. I just think they don't understand how to look for the author intent and understand what needs to be there that isn't and help in that way. Yeah. And even the different types of critiques that you're looking at, if you are in a, let's read our first five pages kind of critique, that's different. That's almost what an agent would see if you were submitting that feedback is what's going to keep me reading? What's going to stop me from reading? What am I so confused about that I don't care? As opposed to an ongoing critique group where you're going through your whole novel, which can take a really long time when you're sharing pages, if you meet monthly or whatever, almost to do a first five pages, you don't need to know what the author wants for their whole story. You can just kind of say, this is what I get from these first five pages. And these are the assumptions I'm making as a reader. But if you're in an ongoing critique group, I think it's really important that your critique partners know what story you're trying to tell, because the most helpful they can be is knowing what you're trying to do and helping you like what we do as book coaches. It's you tell me what story you want to tell. Let's make sure that makes sense. And then let's get you there. Let me give you feedback that's going to move you forward towards that. 
not derail you. Like you said, getting the feedback of people who say, this is what, what I would have done. It can right. become overwhelming when you get too much um, feedback that's not targeted at a specific thing that's going to help you. And going back to what you were saying about whether or not it resonates with you, you know, when you hear feedback that resonates and that's something that's really important. Sometimes it's hard to hear feedback and we have to sit with it for a while. And I always recommend that no matter how you're getting the feedback, whether it's written or if you're getting live feedback, IRL or Zoom or however you're having those conversations with your critique partners, that you sit with it that you spend time with it because what you may need your react to and say, oh, hell no, they just didn't understand may be exactly the one thing, the really big fix that you really need to make <laughs> to make the story work. And you may realize that after you let it sit for a while. And I usually sit for a day or two with feedback, whether it's from my editor or a critique group or a beta reader or whomever, because it takes time for me to let it in openly and then decide, does it resonate? And again, it needs to resonate. You can't take every single bit of critique from every person who has something to say about your story, because again, they may be missing the mark because it's maybe the story they would have told, or there may be some other reason why they're not getting what your intent is on the page. And it may not be exactly what they're talking about. It may be something else. So having that ability to take that in and think about it and sit with it and have a moment where you go, oh, this is why they weren't getting it because earlier on, maybe there wasn't enough explanation of something or they didn't know the character well enough or what have you. Yeah. And that can be really dangerous if you do take everybody's feedback because you could end up with what I call a Franken story that is just, you know, why do you have this in here? Well, someone said that there needed to be a better reason for this to happen. So I came up with this, which is then not carried through the rest of my story <laughs> because I fixed this one thing based on what one person said and this other thing based on what someone else said. And you know, I mean, imagine if you were making stew and someone was like, I think you should put more salt in and you put more salt in and I think you should add sugar. And at the end, you're like, what the hell did I just make? <laughs> I'm making an Italian dish. Don't tell me to put in <laughs> Mexican spices. Right. <laughs> it's going right. to ruin my, my dish. <laughs> and the other piece to that too, is something you said earlier was when you have picture book people working with middle grade people, that can be really hard too, because picture books are a very specific format and they require certain things that aren't required in middle grade page turns and leaving room for the pictures and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a very specific format. Same thing with graphic novels. I think you can get away with graphic novels and middle grade novel people because there's at least more of a story or there's more writing there. There's a bigger world perhaps. And that goes back to what we were saying before about, you know, how complex can a picture book be? And then how you move into middle grade and you can have subplots and then you move into YA and you can get bigger casts of characters and more subplots. And then by the time you get to adult, you can have these epic worlds and all these things going on. But the format of picture book only lends itself to so much in a story. Also, I've noticed fantasy people 
and non-fantasy people. If the non-fantasy person is someone who does not enjoy fantasy, it's hard. They can't get into your story because it's not a genre that they enjoy in the first place. And therefore their feedback isn't, is kind of peppered with that. But I have a small group program and some of the contemporary people who thought they would not be able to critique a fantasy person are actually starting to learn. So you can learn that there are things that every story needs and it doesn't matter what genre you're writing in, that character is character and the questions that you can ask to help somebody are the same. But it's it, even I think having multiple critique groups can be helpful if you're lucky enough to find two groups of people. But maybe you have the people that you like a targeted partners. This is the person that I go to when I need help with dialogue. I want to make sure my dialogue is right because they're awesome at dialogue. This is the person I go to. And ideally, a group, a critique group will have different, I'm going to say like experts. Like this is the person that's always going to find the plot holes in everybody's story. And this is the person who is great at world building. And this is the person who's great with character. And so you get a nice mix of. In the perfect okay. world, yes. And that's what you <laughs> aim for. And again, going back to some of the pitfalls, sometimes it's hard to find those people or it's hard to find the people who kind of push each other to be better. You need people that are at a similar level in craft as you, but have different strengths. And that's a tough build, really. And you need one person who's going to be the facilitator who's going to help build that and invite people in and make sure that everybody knows when you're meeting and all of that. And that can be a big responsibility. I've seen critique groups die because no one wanted to take the lead. Mm. And then back to what you were saying about people who don't understand maybe fantasy or what have you, if they're writing contemporary or in different genre, my trilogy, The Healer's Legacy, which is still my best-selling work, that first book and that whole trilogy. And when I was writing that, I was working in a critique group and I had created the character and the character is, she's training, she's apprenticing to be a healer, but she's got this ability to communicate with animals, but she can only communicate with carnivores, animals that hunt and eat other animals. And she becomes a hunter and a healer. And I was told you can't do that by someone in a critique group. You can't do that. I said, why can't I? Well, you can't have them be both a hunter and a healer. I mean, how, how can you do that? And I said, it's the dichotomy that she struggles with. It's a big part of who she is as a character is struggling with that dichotomy of being both those things, which I feel resonates with people because we all struggle with the dichotomies and the facets of who we are all the time. And to have something that's that much in conflict, in, internal conflict with yourself and having to come to some sort of acceptance, I think is huge. It is a great driver for character. But I actually had somebody in a critique group say that that I, I shouldn't do that. In fact, there were two people in that critique group trying to tell me that I needed to change that. And I'm thankful that I was able to sit with that and think, yeah, no, you're wrong. And I'm not changing that. So you really have to understand what your intent is and what you're trying to do with character and story and all of those things. I think that's one of the reasons why I like the mini blueprint or the blueprint for a book, mm -hmm. those exercises, because it helps us to understand why we're telling story as we are writing it, because that's a great way to 
let your critique partners know, here's what I'm trying to do with this story. Here's the purpose of this story, which is what you were talking about earlier is making sure that they know what you're trying to accomplish so that they know what kind of feedback is going to be helpful. Right. And even coming into it, into each session with, okay, this is what I was trying to accomplish in this scene. And then read it and then say, did I do that? Did this work? We all will write something and then you're bringing it to critique group, hopefully, because you do want feedback, not because you just want everybody to say, yay, that's so great. (laughs) So (laughs) I think writers are pretty intuitive if they let themselves be of what is not working. So see if other people feel the same way as you about what's working, what's not working. Like, I'm not sure that I got enough emotion on the page. Let's see what everybody else thinks, you know, and then ask them, did you feel that there was enough of this there? I mean, I th- think we're, we're taught sometimes that we're not allowed to say anything when somebody is giving us a critique or like you're not allowed to, I mean, you don't want to defend yourself, right? Don't get defensive. But I, I guess this is why, I mean, as a book coach, uh, to me, it's about the conversation too, because you might think something, this is the feedback that I have. Oh no, I actually was trying to do this. Oh, well, if that's what you were trying to do, then my feedback now changes, right? That then <laughs> you yeah, didn't I do that. This is how you can fix that. I think that's a great point because again, it comes back to intent. And I think as book coaches and when we do evaluations and that sort of thing, I think we're looking at the intent very, very closely, but we're trained. We've been trained over time and all of the reading that we do and the writing that we do and the understanding of what stories should accomplish. I think we often know inherently as coaches what the intent is and where it's missing the mark. It's one of the strong suits that I have that I just blogged about. One of my areas of genius is that I understand author intent intuitively, which makes me a really good poetry editor as well as story editor, because I get what they're trying to accomplish and I can hear the notes that are not ringing true. Mm -hmm in the words, in the prose, in the poetry. And I think that's, that's huge. And I don't know that most critiquers are at that level where they know it, that they know that's what they're doing. But usually if you get a good critique group going, they'll know intuitively whether something's working or not. They may not know exactly why or why not, but they'll be pinging on those places where something's off. Hmm. And that's huge. That's a huge value to have. Yeah. If somebody doesn't know your intent and gives you feedback on something, I mean, you know, this isn't working. You can fix this this way, this way, or this way. And maybe all three of those ways are valid ways for a story to go or a fix. But if it's not what you're trying to do, like there's only one choice usually that's going to do what you need it to do. So I think that's a really good point what you made before about the mini blueprint, almost like everybody should do a mini blueprint and then share it with their critique group <laughs> before they start critiquing, right? Right. I think that's a great idea. Or even the inside outline. Here's the scene and the point. <laughs> Tell right. me. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish here. This yeah. is my intent. And yeah, when I send my work to beta readers, I'm always asking them for very specific feedback, not just read this and tell me what you think. Because beta readers, like anyone else, they need to have some idea what you think you need, what you might be wondering. So I will very specifically say, do the characters ring true? Are there any continuity issues? Mm -hmm. Where did you lose interest? 
exactly in a critique group you should be asking the same kinds of questions and back to what you were saying about the whole workshoppy critique process where no one's supposed to talk and you're just supposed to sit and listen and all that i don't know where that came from except for maybe because people got defensive or tried to explain yes you should not get defensive and yes you should not try to explain maybe what you were trying to accomplish or try and explain away oh you just didn't get it because the character's doing blah 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 in another scene or whatever clearly if the critique group is pinging on something there's something there or something not there that should be and those are the things that i take note of i don't necessarily take note of the all the specific feedback in a critique group but i definitely take note of where they're pinging on it where they're having questions or where they're falling out of the narrative or where they seem to be confused. Those are the really critical things. So I think that the giving and taking of critique is, it's an art form on both sides. And it's important that you learn that and go into it also open-eyed and open-hearted. Right. I mean, the goal should be, if you're truly belonging in a critique group, you're there as much to help other people as you are to receive help. And everybody, I feel, should be invested in each other's stories to where you want you want to see them finish. You want to see them write a great story. You want to get, have them get it published because you want to be in those acknowledgements, right? Thank you to my fantastic critique group without whom this would never have been possible. But if you are a person who, and I think maybe this is the difference with book coaching versus uh, critique group, is the transaction between us is yes, money, but then we're done right now. I am just vested in your story and I just give you feedback and you can focus on your story and that's it. And in a critique group setting, there is that give and take between the group members. And if that's not something that you feel you're in a place to to do, then maybe working one-on-one with somebody is better or just one critique partner versus having a larger group because You don't want to be that person that's just sitting there. Tell me, tell me, tell me about my story. And then giving people kind of surface level, (laughs) level feedback. And it's not for everybody. And everybody is at that point where they want to be invested in other people's stories. Maybe they just want to focus on their own story, or maybe they're not, like you said, at that level of craft where they can articulate how to help other people. When critique groups work though, they work and they're great. And they're more than just feedback. They're almost your life partners. And that's the people you turn to, not even just about your words, but hey, I'm really struggling today. Can you give me a good emoji? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So critique groups are a huge tool. They're very valuable when they work. You just might have to try a few on. It's just like process. I talk about this all the time. You might have to try it on and see if it works, see if it fits. You might have to do sample pages with a potential partner before you can form an actual critique relationship. And that brings me to our actionable items because we always like to leave our audience with actionable items. And so I think I want to go back to the idea of If you're looking for a critique group or a critique partner to go out there, identify where you think you might find them, but build the relationship first. I would say if you are looking at forming a group or joining a critique group, think about it as a relationship first. Consider joining and not committing 
to this permanently, being able to say, I want to try this on. I want to see if this works before I commit wholly to it. That's a great point. Okay. So my actionable item, I would say is as you're out there doing what Sharon said, make a list of the things that you need from a critique group. What, what is it that you want? Do you want people who can help you with like your dialogue or your descriptions or whatever? Do a self-evaluation. Where am I? What kind of writer do I think I am? What level do I think I'm at? Who should I surround myself with right now? That would be the most helpful to me. Because if you don't know what you need, you're not going to be able to ask for it, first of all. And you're not going to know if that's what you're you're getting from that other group. How harsh. (laughs) Do you want a bunch of gentle people (laughs) or maybe a nice mix of the ones who are going to tell you like it is and the ones who will make you feel better after the fact? But also, how frequently do you think you can reasonably meet? How many pages can you get done? If you're meeting monthly and you're reading five pages, what value is that to you? Because that means that you're hopefully still writing more than those five pages, but you're not sharing pages as your critique group could be pretty behind where you actually are writing in your manuscript. Maybe I will put a little list of questions to ask yourself in our show notes. We will also put in there a little how to be a good critiquer that I have. So I will add that to our show notes so that you can have some information on how to be a good critiquer. And that will help you find a good critiquer. Great. And if you're lucky enough to find a group like I have, I hope you do. And then you got to name yourselves because every good critique group has to have a name. So that is all for today. Thank you everybody for joining us and we will see you soon. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Coaching Kidlet, a writing and book coaching podcast for writers who want to level up their Kidlet writing game. For more about us and to discover what a book coach can do for you, check out coachingkidlet.com and follow us on social media.